In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Amen. Today is the second part in what will probably end up being a three-part series. Um, And I say probably because who knows what will happen um, about the Holy Spirit. We started last week um, and we kind of uh, left here with a challenge. And the challenge was to dethrone our best friend, whoever that was, and enthrone a new best friend. So you guys should have been working very hard to dethrone someone. If I remember, we said we should serve the person notice that you were my best friend up till now, but going forward, I'm about to put a new best friend in place. So of course, my best friend is my wife, Shola. So she's been served notice that definitely she's losing her position as my best friend because I am determined to put in her place as my best friend the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And she's gladly accepted to take second position by far in relation to friendship. And so I hope you've been working hard at that. Have you been working hard at that? Have you been working hard at that? Were you here last week? Yeah. So have you been working hard at that? Yes. Yes. Have you been working hard at that? I I, 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 I need feedback. Have you been working hard at that? Go and tap the person next to you and say, wake up. (laughs) And we talked, when we talked about friendship, when we talked about friendship, of course we said, you know, the the characteristics of a good friend as we encouraged ourselves, the intimacy, uh, spending quality time with the with the friend, being sensitive to the friend, uh, talking to the friend, communicating with the friend. And we said all these things are critical in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We, we, we understood quite clearly that it is not possible to live this life to the fullest, to live and live more than a conqueror, an overcoming life, a victorious life, without the help of the Holy Spirit. We understood that he plays many roles in our lives. Uh, he's our comforter, of course. That's the obvious one. But then he's also our counselor, our helper, our intercessor, our advocate, our strengthener, and our standby. Uh, and, and I hope we all left with a renewed commitment to deepen our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so today, we want to go on as we talk about Being immersed in the Holy Spirit. Being immersed in the Holy Spirit. You see, because to enjoy the fullness of this life with the Spirit of God, He can't just be in us. And He is in you the moment you become a child of God. He takes residence in your heart. Your body is the temple of of the Spirit of God, the Bible says. But then, Him being in you guarantees your salvation. That's the seal 
on your redemption. But to live this overcoming life, to live this life to the fullest, uh, to, 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 to be more than a conqueror, to be victorious in life, you can't just have him in you. You must be in, immersed in him. So it's him in you and you immersed in him. Amen? And I want to read as our foundation text for today and scriptures taken from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. It's Paul speaking to the church in Corinth uh, where he was encouraging them to use as an example to help their Christian walk uh, what happened to their ancestors that was recorded in the Old Testament as they crossed the desert into the promised land. So he says, there isn't time to read verses 1 to 11. I would have wanted to do that. So let's just read verse 1, verse 6, and verse 11. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. He says, my dear fellow believers, you need to understand that all of our Jewish ancestors who walked through a wilderness long ago were under the glory cloud and passed through the waters of the sea on both sides. Verse 6. Now all these things serve as types and pictures for us, lessons that teach us not to fail in the same way by callously craving worthless things. Verse 11. All the tests they endured on their way through the wilderness are a symbolic picture, an example that provides us with a warning so that we can learn through what they experienced. For we live in a time when the purpose of all the ages past is now completing its goal within us. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying to the New Testament church, the experience of the children of Israel in the Old Testament, frankly, the whole of the Old Testament is really about types, examples, shadows, and symbolic pictures that drive home spiritual truth. And that's what I love about the Bible. I really love the Bible. I think that even if the Bible wasn't the Word of God, and it is, it makes some riveting reading. The stories are compelling. They suck you in. And even if the Bible was not the word of God, and it is, I think the Bible would still be the best-selling book of all times. Because I don't know of any other book where you have so many stories that literally take in all that can happen in life and is put into one book. But the Bible is the Word of God. And so the stories in the Old Testament, and this is what I love about the Bible, I love the fact that, you know, the stories are joined up to each other. I love the fact that every story in the Old Testament is telling one thing and driving towards one picture and one truth, and that is Christ. I love the fact that, I especially love this, that the stories in the Old Testament are types and shadows and pictures, symbolic pictures and examples of spiritual truths. 
And you know, you can, you can go through the whole Old Testament and you'd find so many of this. So if we take Noah's Ark, for example, on its own, Noah's Ark is a compelling story. They told it to us from when we were little children and we were captivated by this story of, of the flood and the ark and, and how the ark saved them as they went in male and female into the ark and they were saved. It's just a compelling story. But then, did you know that the ark is a type of Christ? And that the same way those who were in the ark were saved from destruction is the same way those who are in Christ are saved from destruction. Yeah? And you can go on and on, different stories. So, the, the obvious one, Israel is a symbolic picture of the church. So, so the, the whole, the, 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 the journey of the children of Israel, the choosing of the children of Israel. I mean, why did God choose Israel? Nobody knows. There were many nations in the world, and God just decided, this is the nation that I am going to favor. This is my elect. This is my chosen. This, I'm, this, are, this is the nation that I'm going to bless. This is the nation I'm going to lift above every other nation. And, and so God chose Israel. That's a type of the church. Why did God choose you and I? Nobody knows. He chooses to have mercy on whom he chooses to have mercy. And the same way he chose Israel is the same way he chose the church. He chose you and I to belong part of, become part of this body that's a type of, of Israel. The same way he showed a special relationship with them, he shows a special relationship with us. So we are a symbolic, Israel was a symbolic picture of the church. Now, in, in real terms, he also chose the nation Israel. So there's no uh, replacement theology here. We're not saying that the church replaced Israel. No. Till the end of the ages, Israel will always remain special to God. Amen? That's why all the enemies of Israel can gang up if they like. They cannot get rid of that small nation. It is, it is written into the word of God. The nation will be standing at the end of the ages. Amen? And you can go on and on. So um, God calls his people out of, 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 of Egypt, and we'll come to that. And he says to them, I'm taking you into a land flowing with milk and honey, a promised land. Yeah, so that's the land of Canaan. For them, it was physical land, uh, but it was a type and a shadow of us in the New Testament church. So God doesn't call us into physical land. And of course, you know, we want all of you to possess physical land. But then the promises of God are the equivalent of Canaan. So God calls us into his promises. Canaan, a type of the promises of God. And then the hostile tribes, when God calls them out, God says to them, and I, I found this interesting, God says, I have given you a land flowing with milk and honey. How many think that the fact God says I've given you, the matter should be over? How many agree? Yeah? God has given you, it's over. But guess what? God gives them, and then they have to go through Jebusites who hate them, Hittites who want to kill them, Amalekites who can't stand them, Hevites who hate them with a passion. And so they are going through fighting all these tribes, trying to get into what God has given them. That's a type and a shadow of life today. We have hostile tribes that want to stop us from entering the promise of God 
And Paul outlines those hostile tribes in Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the 12th, 12th verse. They are not Hevites, they are not Jebusites, they are not Amalekites, they are not Hittites and all the other heights, but they still are a hostile tribe. You don't see them with your natural eyes, but they are as real as the ones they saw. Paul says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against hostile tribes. He says there are principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Their aim is the same as the Hevites, Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, and all the other ites. Their aim is the same. Those hostile tribes wanted to stop the nation of Israel from entering physically Canaan. This organized hierarchy of wickedness that Paul highlights in Ephesians want to stop the saint, the, ch the child of God, the elect of God from entering God's promises. And you can go on and on as you look for all these symbols. And one of the ones I love is the one in Numbers 21, uh, verses 4 to 9. I love this because it's just a dramatic story. So the children of Israel, they murmur, they grumble, they offend God, they sin against Him, they, they talk, talk badly about Him. Now, because of their actions, not because of God, but because actions have consequences, the consequences of their sin, their rebellion, is that snakes come into the camp. And these fiery, poisonous snakes are biting people, and people are dying by the thousands. And Moses cries out to God because the nation is, on, is going to be, become extinct, extinct if these snakes continue killing all these people. And God gives Moses a strange instruction. God says, make a brazen, a bronze serpent, the image of these snakes. Put it on a pole and lift it up. And anyone who looks to that serpent, the fiery snakes will stop biting them. Guess what Jesus did when he was talking to Nicodemus and he was telling him about being born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John the third chapter and the 14th and 15th verse. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What a type and a shadow. Jesus said exactly what Moses did. He put a bronze serpent on a pole and lifted it up. As people looked to the bronze serpent, focused on it, believed in that bronze serpent, the snakes, the fiery snakes stopped biting and believed in the image, what the image represented. Then Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, when I am lifted up in this manner and people believe in me, then they will be delivered from destruction and will find eternal life. Amen? And you know, you can go on and on and on and find all kinds of types and shadows. But let me kind of get, get on with the message. So, the, the, the type and shadow I wanted to talk about as we get on in the message was Egypt, yeah? Now, how many, when, before I became a Christian, those who were born again used to ask me what I thought was a daft question. They would say to me, are you still in Egypt? I said, no, I'm in Nigeria. What do you mean am I in Egypt? <laughs> what, what does Egypt have to do with my life? I now found out that what they meant was, are you still in the kingdom of darkness? Because in Christianese, Egypt was the world. And so we find that Egypt is a type, a shadow of that life in that kingdom. Not in the kingdom of God, 
but in the kingdom of, of the world, if you want to use the phrase they used there. It, where Satan had sway. Now, Pharaoh was a type of who? Talk to me, church. Pharaoh was a type of who? Go on, talk to me boldly. Pharaoh was a type of who? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. You're better than the first service. First service, they didn't know them. Don't let them know I said that. Pharaoh was a type of Satan. So the children of God, the chosen of God, this special nation that God had plans for, found itself in slavery, in bondage, second-class citizens, in servitude to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's kingdom. In the same way that before we came into the kingdom of God, we were in slavery, in servitude to sin, the tyranny of sin, ruled, forced to work hard and toil by the type of Pharaoh, Satan. But then what happened to the children of Israel as we move along in types and shadows? God came down to rescue them. God chose a deliverer for them. The deliverer was a man called Moses. Who do you think Moses is a type of? Moses is a type of Jesus. All these things were written so that it excites us and prepares us for the future, for what is to come, and for the outworking in our life. And then another type and shadow. They chose a lamb. This was the deliverance. The deliverance was going to come in this way. They chose, they were, each family was told to take a lamb. The lamb had to have no blemish or no defect. It had to be perfect. And then the family had to slaughter the lamb and dub the blood on the lintels of their homes. And when the angel of destruction came through the land for the final blow that would set the people free, the angel would see the blood and would have to pass over. Destruction was not their portion. What was the lamb a type of? Say that again. It was a type of Jesus. It was already, God was already giving us a glimpse, a shadow of what was to come. That one day a real, the lamb, the, the, the real lamb, would be sacrificed for you. What was the blood of the lamb symbolic of? The blood of Jesus. Amen? And so when they come out, finally, one blow to the kingdom of darkness and they're released. When they come out and they escape from Egypt, they come to the Red Sea. And it's a dramatic moment. Suddenly Pharaoh comes to his senses and thinks, the backbone of my economy has just left because these people kept the largest, most powerful economy going. They've just left, and not only have they left, they've bankrupted us. Because if you remember, God, by his spirit, touched the hearts of, of the nation so that the children of Israel, Israel were told, ask your neighbor for, I mean, this is, you know, I, I don't watch Nollywood and, and all those things, but this is, this is, this is, this is, this, this could, this is a bestseller. They went to their neighbors and said, bring your gold, bring your diamonds. Bring your trinkets. The neighbors almost put in some hex, went to the safe, brought all the gold, all the diamonds, everything they had, and gave the children of Israel. And the children of Israel cutted all these things and went away. And when they went away, the neighbors came to them and said, what, what, what happened? We've given away everything. We're a bankrupt nation. So Pharaoh says, pursue them. 
destroy them and recover everything. And so the children of Israel are celebrating their freedom and then they hear the horses, thousands of horses, the, the wheels of the chariots as Pharaoh's army descends on them. So the blood has set them free, but then before they can enjoy the freedom, the enemy is descending on them to take them back into slavery. And they get to the Red Sea. There isn't any way forward. There isn't any way back. But then Moses lifts his rod at the instruction of God and the Red Sea parts. And the way the Bible describes it, they actually descended into the depths of the sea. The Bible says on either side the sea world was a wa were walls of water. And so they go into the depth of the sea. They go down into the water and they come up on the other side. And their enemy tries to pursue them but drowns in the water. Do you know what that was symbolic of, going down and coming up? It is symbolic of water baptism. That's why your Christian walk hasn't really taken off if you haven't been baptized by immersion. It's not just a religious rite. You see, the baptism by immersion was what declared to the world their freedom from that kingdom. It was as they went in, symbolic of baptism, and they came out on the other side, that every tie with that kingdom was broken and they could start their walk of freedom. Can someone say amen to that? Yeah. But then, there was also one thing that, that happened that was symbolic, and, and this is where I was going. Exodus, the 13th chapter and the 20th verse. 2021-22. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped in Eltham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day of the, or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, this is, this is just exciting. The people are about to embark on a journey. God knows the journey is going to take 40 years. It's a way they have never been before. Don't forget that for 430 years, how many generations is that? They had been held captive in Egypt. They were not even allowed to go outside the borders of Egypt to worship God. So the world outside there was an alien world to them. And now they had been told by God to make their way through this world into his promises. They had no maps. They didn't know which way to go. They had no compasses. And yet they had to make this journey. And then the journey was across the Sinai Desert. The Sinai Desert can be the most inhospitable place, certainly one of the most inhospitable places on earth. During the day, it is as hot as you can imagine. And I know London is experiencing a heat wave, but believe me, this is an air-conditioned heat wave compared to what the Sinai Desert is like. It's unbearably hot. And then at night, it gets as freezing cold as you can imagine. So much so that if you're exposed to the temperature, 
it can kill you. And then as you know, the desert is full of all kinds of animals, especially deadly snakes. And so the children of Israel are to walk across this terrain into God's promises. It kind of is a symbol of life. How hot it can get, how harsh it can get, how dangerous it can get, how challenging it can get, how sometimes we just have no idea what way to take in life. But God had a plan for them. The Bible tells us that the moment they left Egypt, a pillar of cloud, a covering that was a pillar of cloud appeared. And that pillar of cloud during the day would cover them. And I'm talking about covering three million odd people. Now, when that happened, the temperature under the cloud was different from the temperature outside the cloud. Under the cloud, the temperature was conducive to them living and doing everything God wanted them to do. And so during the day, while it was unbearably hot for everybody else, under the cloud, it was like they were in this auditorium. It was an air-conditioned environment under the cloud. Now, if you look at how the tabernacle was built, which they carried, it is impossible to have existed, it is impossible to have stood in that tabernacle that had no windows. Because the tabernacle had no windows. If the environment had not been supernaturally cooled. And so, as they journeyed, the cloud was a covering. But then at night, it got cold. And guess what happened? The cloud would metamorphose into a pillar of fire at night. So it would provide warmth for them. And then it would also frighten off the dangerous creatures that would come to the camp. The cloud and the fire is a symbol of the Spirit of God. And so, under the cloud, it doesn't matter how hot the world is. And how many know the world is hot now? As long as you can stay under the cloud, the temperature under the cloud is designed so that you can maximize your potential in God. And it doesn't matter how freezing the world gets. And how many know that the world has got unbearably cold. Wickedness has entered unprecedented proportions. But once you are under the fire, by the fire, the fire makes sure that it's warm enough for you to fulfill whatever God has. And that same fire makes sure that those rodents and those vipers that would attack you can't come near you because you are under the fire. It is God's plan that that heavenly atmosphere is carried by us wherever we go. And you know, even those who are not Christians will notice the heavenly atmosphere. It changes everything. And people are attracted to those who carry that heavenly atmosphere. The the, that the cloud and the fire is symbolic of. People are attracted to them. Because, you know, if you're around somebody who is under the cloud and the fire, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, somebody who is immersed in the Spirit, 
There's just something about them that is attractive. And you know, people, people will recognize it. You know, in the midst of a storm, and how many know the world is stormy? I, 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 don't you know some people that in the midst of the storm, when you're near them, there's just a certain aura of calm because they are under the cloud and the fire. There are just some people that you just feel a certain safety when you're around them. You can't explain it, but you just say there's just a certain aura of stability about you. It's the cloud and the fire. There's just, there's just something about you. There's just a certain... I just feel encouraged when I come near you. The words that come out of your mouth, they're just, they're just kind words. They're, they're gold. They're, they're precious. It's because of the cloud and the fire. What you're experiencing are the fruit of the Spirit. And it's their relationship with the Holy Spirit that you're experiencing. And have you noticed that when you go through some tough times, there are some people that you're glad around you. They just come in and comfort seems to come with them. They haven't said anything. They just hug you and it seems like the weight dissipates. It isn't natural. It is supernatural. They are carrying something. They are carrying a presence. I've told you the story about Lester Sumrall. They're praying in a city because the pastors in the city sense that there is a darkness over the city. A dark angelic army has invaded the city. So the pastors are praying for days, maybe weeks. They are praying and praying. This dark cloud should lift. We bind the spirits. This dark cloud should lift. And then one day they gather to pray. And as they start to pray, they notice there's an open heavens. And one of them is asking God, Thank, thank you, Lord. You've heard our prayers. Thank you. So God says, this, the pastor was saying that God said to him, well, you know, I heard your prayers, but really the reason this thing left is that my son, Lester Sumrall, flew into town yesterday. So Lester comes into town to do a meeting. He's just doing a meeting in the church. But the presence that comes with him as he gets into town, all those dark clouds, the dark angels, they, they just pack their load, not because he has bound them, but because he's carrying something on him. That's how we're supposed to be. You're supposed to change the environment when you come in. If there's sadness and you walk in, once you say hello, sadness should go because of the presence that you carry with you. The cloud and the fire. And you know, that cloud protected them. Look at, look at this story. Exodus 14, verse 19 to 20. Exodus 14. I love this. I really love this. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all night. Now, whenever you see the angel of the Lord, it's really pre-incarnate Christ. You know, people say, but Christ wasn't in the Old Testament. He was in quite a few places. But whenever he came, because it wasn't his time yet, he didn't come as Christ that we know. He always came and was referred to as the angel of the Lord. 
That's why they would bow down and worship it, worship, worship it. No angel is ever going to receive worship. If you bow down to an angel in your dream and the angel says, keep bowing, is a demon. Yeah? Because no angel is going to receive worship. No, no, no. Angels are ministering spirits for us. You know, in the, in, in the, in the hierarchy of creation, we are higher than angels. We actually send them to do things. So when you buy, you know, some religions, they worship uh, uh, Angel, Angel Emmanuel, Angel Michael, they've elevated. If anybody's worshiping, it's, 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 they're demons you're worshiping. But the angel of God in the Bible always received worship. And that's because it was pre-incarnate Christ. So what does the Bible say? The angel of God who was in the cloud moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went with him. Amen? It's the same way that Jesus has said to us, it is expedient for you, advantageous that I go, so that the Spirit can come. The Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. They're the same. And so the cloud moves. Because at that point in time, the, the army of Egypt had pursued the Israelites and had cornered them by the Red Sea. But it had become night. And so the instructions from Pharaoh's army commanders must have been camp there, let's wait till daylight and let's destroy these people. But guess what happened? At night, the pillar of fire, oh, I love the Bible. The pillar of fire that they had been following, it suddenly moved. Oh man, I, I, I would have given anything to be there. The pillar of fire suddenly moved and reversed and went and stayed behind them. And then when it stayed behind them, the Bible says it became a light to them so they could see. It wasn't dark anymore. It was illuminated. The Spirit of God illuminates our vision, helps us see, brings clarity. We understand when you're in the cloud or you're in the fire. It makes sense. Who brings revelation? It's the Spirit of God that brings revelation. But then the interesting thing was that what was a blessing to the elect, the chosen, the selected? The Bible says, but it was darkness to the enemies, confusion to them. So the pillar of fire stood and separated them from those who wanted to destroy them. To, that, to, to them, revelation came, light came, illumination came, clarity came. And may that be your portion as you stay under the fire. But then to the enemies, it was darkness and confusion. The enemies couldn't see. They were stumbling a, 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 along the way. They just couldn't see because that's what the Spirit of God does. He protects you by bringing light and illumination, but darkness to those who are out to harm you. Amen? So, so when you understand this, you understand that the pursuit of proximity and intimacy with the Spirit, with the, 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 the pursuit of being close to the fire and the cloud is what matters. And you don't spend your time worrying about enemies. That's why I'm fascinated by churches that spend their whole time looking for and looking after enemies. Fascinated. Your concern should be, how can I get intimate? Because when I get intimate, 
the enemies are sorted out because the fire becomes light to me and darkness to my enemies. So, you know, somebody might say, well, somebody might say, well, I have, a, I have, I have this nasty, nasty colleague. Don't worry about the colleague. Worry about the spirit. When you walk in with the spirit, you will get illumination for the project. You will get clarity for the project. You will be recognized for what you're doing. And if, if that colleague continues to be a nuisance and a hindrance, don't worry. It is light to you. It is darkness and confusion to the enemy. So don't worry about all these things. Hallelujah. And you know, in the scriptures we read, we, it, the Bible said, says the Lord went ahead of them to lead them by the way. Exodus 13 verse 21. One translation says he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And the Bible says this allowed them to travel by day or by night. Oh Lord, help me. How, how, how do I navigate this world? How do I know where to go? How do I know what city to live in? How do I know what neighborhood to live in? How do I know when it's time to leave this neighborhood? How do I know when it's time to leave this job? How do I know what company to work in? How on earth do I know who to marry? It's just the complexities of life. Too many questions. But, and if I don't have a guide, my, my path is slowed. My, my journey is slowed down. But then the Bible says that they could travel by day or by night. There is no, it might be bad for every other person to move. But if the Spirit of God says you should, you can travel by day and travel by night. So people say this is not a good time to invest. Follow them if you like. But with what you have, you should be saying to the Spirit of God, is this a good time to invest? The experts have said what they have to say. But now, I want to know what the expert has to say. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 1, Blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. What is he saying? He's not saying that we shouldn't get experts. Expert doctors. Expert accountants, expert investment bankers. Yes, to the extent that our miserable knowledge allows us to be experts. Experts about something you don't know about. What kind of expertise is that? Now, so give me your expertise and let me take it to the one who sees the end from the beginning and ask him if this your expertise is worth if the, the money I've paid for, or what are they saying about the end that the expert could not see? And so the pillar was guiding them. And you know, if you want a graphic description of this, you just have to read Numbers, the ninth chapter from verse 15. It's an amazing scripture. Can I have a, can I have a handkerchief, please? On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. The Spirit of God came to rest. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern 
At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And whenever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days, as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud, is there any reason we switched off this air conditioning? I'm perspiring like a sacrificial lamb here. <laughs> Why do we do this all the time? I'm sweating so much like a sacrificial lamb. And we have air conditioning. We pay for the thing. I feel like the, the Passover lamb. <laughs> but day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the clouds stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. Now, if you forget everything that I have said, please don't forget this. This, this is mind-blowing. How on earth do we find the promised land? No satellite navigation system. No ways to take you through traffic. But we have to find the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And how do we arrive there in the time? God said to them, don't worry, I got it covered. He said to them, just keep your eye on the cloud and the fire. And so what happened? They just followed the cloud during the day and the fire at night. Sometimes the cloud would settle. Guess what they did? As soon as the cloud settled, they brought out their pots and pans. They brought out their tent pegs. They brought out their tents. They played games. They trained the children in schools, the schools they formed. Life continued. But do you know what? They had their parties. They had their social functions. But all the time, they were sensitive to the movement of the cloud and the fire. They never got so immersed in their own activities that they took their eyes off the cloud and the fire. They knew that the only way we are going to arrive at our destination is by the cloud and the fire. So while the woman is washing up the cooking utensils, the man is uh, cutting the meat that she's going to cook, they are keeping their eye on the cloud and the fire. And sometimes... They would have to do this for a year, just keeping their eye on it. And then as the cloud starts to lift up, they start packing their utensils and putting the tents back because it's time to move because the cloud is moving. And the cloud would lift up slowly and start moving. They would follow. Amazing life. Sometimes they would get to a place and they would like the place 
because the vegetation was right. Maybe there was an oasis in the desert. Surely this is the kind of place I should camp at. But then they didn't make that decision with their own senses. They didn't choose the job because they read Forbes 500 and it says this is the best company. They didn't live in the neighborhood because it says property prices are the best here. No, 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 no. They didn't make any of those decisions. They didn't marry her because she had a smile that lit up their heart. No, 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 no. There was none of those things. They watched the cloud and the fire. And as soon as the fire starts to lift, irrespective of how they are enjoying where they are, they knew it was time to move. They had the sense that we don't have in the church to know that it is only good here because the cloud and the fire are here. Once the cloud and the fire move from here, then this place is the place not to be because I must be with the cloud and the fire. And so that's how they live their lives. One eye on the cloud and the fire, watching it. And like the Bible says, sometimes the cloud only stayed at night. You can imagine, they arrive somewhere and they're thinking to themselves, the last time he stayed, they stay, he stayed for a year. So let's prepare for a year. Isn't that how we box ourselves in by what God did? Yeah. That God did it like that, so God is going to do it like this. But they knew that, like Jesus says, the spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it's coming or where it's going. Just follow it. And so they had their eye, they continued life but their eye was constantly on the cloud. And so they get to one place, and, the, and you can imagine, sometimes they've traveled a long distance, and the cloud hasn't stopped. They have to keep going. They are tired. And they get to a place, and the cloud now starts to settle, and they're thinking, phew, we can have a breather. At least we'll be here, if nothing, for a month or a few weeks. And so they unpack, and they go to sleep. They wake up in the morning. And I bet you they always had a lookout. There was no time the whole camp slept. They had to always have their eye on. The, what a disaster to wake up and find that the cloud has gone. In the same way that some of us continue life and the spirit has lifted and we don't know. And so they, they wake up the next morning and, 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 you know, they get out their things. They're about to make breakfast. And suddenly the clouds, and I can imagine the dramatic way that cloud, oh, I wish I was there. I can imagine the dramatic way that cloud would lift. It would just start rising slowly, not saying anything, just rising. And as the cloud is rising, they're saying to each other, forget the breakfast, forget the breakfast, pack the things, it's, it's time to go. Follow the cloud. We can't get away from this cloud. cloud. If we lose the cloud and the fire, we will die in this desert. In the same way that if we, if we don't get, follow the Spirit, how can we succeed in life? Aren't we bound to make calamitous mistakes? And we're bound to use our own senses and make mistakes. And you know, the psalmist, in the graphic language of the psalmist, he puts it this way, and I just love this picture the psalmist paints as we end. Psalms 105, verse 39. He says, The Lord spread a cloud above them as a covering, and gave them a great fire to light the darkness. Oh, what a picture. He spread the cloud above them as a covering. And then he gave them a, a great fire to light the darkness. 
If we stay immersed in the Spirit, you can never be in darkness. Never be in darkness. He'll constantly illuminate your path. If we stay immersed in the Spirit, it doesn't matter what is happening. We are in the Spirit of God. We experience the power of God by being in the Spirit of God. You know, one of the pictures I love was when the children of Israel, when they had, they had just annoyed Moses. So Moses, out of frustration, went and made a tent of meeting for himself, for him to meet God outside the camp. You remember that story? So whenever it was time to meet God, Moses would get up. Because he said, to meet God with you people here, as messed up as you people are, no, no, no. This God is a holy God. So I've created a place to meet him. So when Moses gets up, you should read that account in the Bible, all the families would go to their doors. And children of Israel were quite a community. And they all stand at the doors and they are peeping. They are watching Moses as he's walking through the camp. And they are saying to themselves, he's going, he's going, he's going to talk to him. So everybody comes out. And then when Moses gets to the tent of meeting, an amazing thing happens. The cloud just appears. And the cloud stays at the door of the tent of meeting. And then a voice comes from within the cloud. You know, if the cloud is near to you, if you're immersed in the cloud, you will always hear God's voice. And then Moses starts to have a conversation with God. And the children of Israel are amazed. Don't be, a, don't be an observer or a bystander. Be the Moses. And get, what, does, what, what is the testimony that God gives out of that account with Moses? It says, I spoke to Moses face to face as with a friend. That's what the Spirit wants to do. Don't, 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 don't be part of this church that looks up to this and I, I, idolizes these men of God. They are the ones who hear God. No, you hear God too for yourself. The days of the high priest Moses is over. Stop being like the children of Israel. You're at the door. You're watching. Oh my God, the great man of God has come. Let's all go and find out what he has to say. So you're like the children of Israel. You're at the door. You've called your whole family. You're watching. No, that was an Old Testament church. In a New Testament church, anybody who's ready to pay the price for intimacy can become the Moses for himself and his family. Amen? I don't need anybody to speak to me and, and, and my family. Whatever you say will encourage what God has said to me and confirm what God has said to me. And you can help me by pointing me in the right direction so that I get to know God. That's how we prevent manipulation, so that I don't depend on you for everything. It's the, it's the gospel of whosoever. That's the gospel of the New Testament church. The curtain was torn in two so that it wasn't only Aaron and, and the Levites who could go in. Now whosoever can go in as long as you're ready to pay the price for intimacy with the Spirit of God. Can someone say amen and give God a clap offering? Give God a clap offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a price to pay, but as long as you're willing to pay the price, then trust me, you'll be hearing God the same way other people are hearing God. Don't despise yourself. I have a spiritual daughter who would always say to me, but that's for you, PAI. I say, no, don't despise yourself. It's for all of us. All of us. The gospel of whosoever. 
That's why the temple, that's why the drama, that dramatic picture of the curtain being torn into. Because before that curtain was torn into, if you went in there and you were not a Levite, you died. But when the curtain was turned into, and it was turned into, and the word that came out was whosoever. So whosoever pays the price can have that same kind of relationship. It will deal with some of the abuses in the body of Christ. Now we're not elevating men and women to the position of deities. They're not deities. They're like you. They're struggling as well like you. They just happen to have an anointing in a pastoral office to be shepherds. But they're not deities. I'm not a deity. I struggle too. I make mistakes too. I fall too. And God picks me up too from that. But I'm committed to the pursuit of intimacy. And you can be too. And that way, iron can sharpen iron. So in my office as the pastor, I can serve you with my pastoral gifts. But then you also have gifts that should serve me if you're doing what you should do. Can someone say amen and give God a clap of him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Holy Spirit, we love you. 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 Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Go on, make it a real prayer. Spirit of the the stock of anything now it doesn't mean that the the spirit in you that has sealed you for redemption can never be depleted that can never be depleted it's in you and it has sealed you for redemption but it means that the overflow of the spirit can be depleted by life and life circumstances and that's why we're encouraged to come daily to God and ask for a fresh infilling a fresh outpouring of his spirit and so it doesn't matter where you are here you're a bit burnt out you're weary you're tired you're overcome you know you're in a place where you know that you're struggling you see anyone who tells you about swimming and I love swimming that's my favorite sport my wife Shola was saying to me the other day that she found it fascinating that when you are in deep water and you're swimming, it's easier to swim than when you're in shallow water. It's easier to swim because the water really carries you. And anyone who can swim tells you that the key to swimming is relaxation. Once you take fear out and you relax, the water does the work for you. It's the same with the Spirit of God. Some of us are thrashing around in the shallow end. The Spirit of God is saying, will you trust me and come deeper? 
Because the deeper you come, the more I can carry you. The deeper you come, the more I can carry you. Now as we call for the Spirit of God to come afresh on us, will you open up your heart and receive a new, fresh imp, imp, imp outpouring of the Spirit of God? Go on, go on. On me, Spirit of the living God. Declare that, declare that. Comforter, help. 
can't help me. For five minutes, I'm just going to give you time to reverence the Spirit of God in whatever way. And I want to address someone who is here, and you might feel that in thought, word, or deed, you have vexed or saddened or grieved the Spirit. The instruction in Ephesians 4 verse 30 was that we mustn't grieve this Spirit that was our seal for the day of redemption. And so if, you're, if you feel that you want to, you're welcome to come and kneel at the altar as we just reverence him, just reverence him, reverence him, reverence him, reverence him. You see, he's a person. He has feelings. He has emotions. He enjoys things. He laughs at things. He's the carrier of joy. He's the bringer of the power of God. And you can touch a person by what you do and what you say in the same way that you can grieve a person. And so just for five minutes, if we just reverence him, and if you feel led by him to come and kneel at the altar, you're welcome to do so. Flow through me, sweet spirit of God. Oh, my, yeah, 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 yeah. For more of you, I want to swim in you. Holy, holy ghost. Oh, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of truth, we exalt you. Sweet Holy Spirit, we reverence you. We declare that you're the agenda, Holy Spirit. There's no other agenda. You're the meaning of life, Holy Spirit. You're the center of everything that we do. You're the center of my life, Holy Spirit. Where can I go without you, Holy Spirit? I'm lost without you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being my satellite navigation system. Thank you for guiding me. Sweet Spirit of God. Dwell, dwell, dwell. Make it your home. My body is the temple of the Spirit of God. Make it your home. Yesterday, today, today, today. 
the days gone. Today I'm in need. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Yesterday's gone. And we're grateful for it, but we have today and the future. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Yesterday's gone. Thank God for today. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Now I'd like you to just spend a minute or two and just talk talk to the Holy Spirit. Go and talk to him. He's a person. He's a person. He's not an it. Not some abstraction. And he wants to have a conversation with you. Go and just talk to him. Talk to him. Oh, we bless you. Yes, Spirit of the living God. Thank you. Spirit of life and Spirit of truth. Thank you. Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, make this your home. Take control of this house. I give you the keys to all the rooms. No area is out of bounds. Sweet Holy Spirit. We thank you. Hallelujah. Makare Boshte. Yes, work through me. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Today I'm in need. Today I'm in need. Holy Spirit, walk through me. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We glorify your name, O oh God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Now, there's one, one, one last thing that I, I, I'd, I'd like us to do. And if you're kneeling at the altar, you're welcome to stay there and just talk to God. You know, on the Thursday that I described, I, I'm not sure if I told you, but on Thursday, I was going to the Festival of, of Life and I... Um, I was thanking God for a lot of things and there are things I'm believing God for with my family and part of God's instruction to us was to be thankful to him so I was driving I had an hour and 15 minutes and so my car became like my prayer closet and I was just thanking God and so I got to um, a specific thing and I was thanking God and I was saying you know I was saying Lord thank you thank you thank you Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And I even started singing, um, uh, what's that song? Thank you, Lord, and all, all I want. Say it again. Yes, yes, I was singing that song. Thank you, Lord, all I have to say is thank you. But do you know, at that point in time, all those things seemed like they were not sufficient. Have you ever been there? 
where you know the thank you doesn't seem like it represents what is in your heart has anybody ever been there and you're wondering how can i how can i thank him for what is in my heart and then suddenly from the depths of my being i, I the spirit just gave me utterance and next thing i found myself in the car saying rebo shande yarandele yandele yandele sharare shala i'm sure people around me thinking this man driving but i suddenly felt a fulfillment because suddenly what i was saying in the spirit seemed like the right things to thank him now isn't god amazing if you want to say thank you to me guess guess who's the best person to tell you how to say thank you to me who do you think the best person is me I'm the one who can tell you if you say this I will appreciate it. So what does God do? Because he knows a lot of times our words and our minds fail us. The same thank you you say to the ice cream man is the same thank you that you say to God. And God says, "Okay, I get it. It's the same way you thank your wife and the same way you thank someone for opening the door is the same word. I cannot get it. I can see your heart. It's okay." But sometimes God wants to hear the words. So guess what God does? He puts himself in you. and then he says to himself in you because the trinity is not divided so his spirit is in you so he says to his spirit in you you know the bible says the spirit knows the mind of god isn't that what the bible says so the spirit knows what god wants to hear as thank you so the spirit starts in a language that bypasses our understanding to thank god with the precise words that god wants to hear and then god is satisfied with the thank you You know Paul puts it like that in 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter and the 17th verse where Paul in in outlining the protocol for speaking in tongues Paul says that of course when you speak in tongues you don't edify anybody but Paul says that you say thank you well amen and so for a few minutes i just wanted you to say thank you in that prayer language now there are times to be quiet this isn't one of those times this is a time to be riotously exuberant in your thank you to God. Can someone say amen to that? So please rise to your feet. We're just going to thank him. Now pick some things you want to thank him about. And 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 incidentally as we thank him in the spirit, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you don't speak in tongues and you want to be prayed for, you're welcome to come forward and we will pray for you. But the rest of us, let's begin to thank him. Let's begin to thank him. Go in tongues. Lift your voice. Begin to thank him. Merelendele dele bondani andalake. Jinenende bosikanda la boseke keriende dele sekenema. Jinenende boseke kianda broko korobo chocolate. Oh God, zarade, 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 zakaye makande lebro seke keriende baka. Jere ye makakari andalale. Je brozo kuraye ke keriandare. Jele mankorobo jokori andare erele nere basika kari andare erele nerebo jele nele kekeri endebrakalabo gone riotously exuberant in our thanking him thank him for what he has done thank him for what he will do jele dolobasikande le basagagi agagagi yegegegege eye mandorobo shundari anda jekekeri endebrokolande keki anda laba ozarerele basa Jila 
Go and lift heavenly voices to him and just thank him. Thank him with everything that you have. The, the Bible says you give thanks well. You give thanks well. You give thanks well. There's a smile on his face as he receives words that are mysteries to our understanding. But because his spirit gives utterance, every word is what he wants to hear. Lift your voice. Let this place be filled with the heavenly language as we thank him. Zare, zare, zare. Jotulaye, kaka, kakadeshte. Mando roboye ha Oh we bless you God we bless you God and now let's begin to express our thanksgiving with another expression let's lift the clap offering unto him even the trees clap their hands how much more human beings? Go on, applaud and celebrate your God. Isn't he worthy of all our praise? Let your fingers speak a word, speak a phrase, speak a sentence by the connection to your heart. As we just applaud the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Ancient of Days, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the first and the last, the uncreated creator, the God who is more than enough, who is like unto you, O God. Angels bow before you, heaven and earth adore you. You are more than enough. The excellency of Israel, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the first and the last, the I am that I am. We applaud you, the commander of the hosts of heaven. The Lord of hosts is your name. The commander of the heavenly armies, the commander of the angels, armies the man of war and yet the prince of peace we bless you the fairest of ten thousand the fountain of love the seat of mercy Elohim the uncreated creator Adonai the great God oh we worship you with a mighty clap offering we put the trees to shame as everything that has breath praises him with a clap offering we declare that you are God and God alone. You sit in heaven and you rule in the affairs of men. You close a door, no one can open it. You open a door, no one can close it. You say to the proud waves, thus far, no further, and they obey. Who laid the foundations of the earth but you? Who else can see the end from the beginning but you? You are high and lifted up, exalted above everything. Oh, we bless you, oh God. Lord Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Rock, our Shield, our Fortress, our Buckler, our help in times past, our help in ages to come. Lord Jesus, the Lamb that was slain for our sins, we worship you. Oh, we bless you. The Rock of Ages cleft for me, we bless you. 
the rejected stone that has become the capstone of humanity. We bless you. Who is there like unto you? To Ezekiel, you were the wheel within a wheel. We bless you. To the prophet Isaiah, your train filled the temple. Oh, we honor you. Hosea gives us a picture of your love. That unfailing, overwhelming, reckless love that you have for us. We worship you. For grace, we say thank you. For mercy, we say thank you. For your compassion, we say thank you. For your faithfulness, we say thank you. And words fail us, so we say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, God. Father, we just thank you. We are overflowing with thanksgiving. You're a good, good Father. We bless you. In Jesus' name, and together we say, Amen.